0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Okay, I think I'm just going to lead with the headline. We're going to Alaska. This isn't a skit. This isn't us telling you at the beginning of the podcast episode to imagine k me the kids, we're going to Alaska this summer. Okay, now I'm gonna do the Aus podcast thing. We're gonna rewind back to this summer when we announced that we had, when we announced that we were going to be building an off-grid home on a property called Sunny Mountain. This is the spot, let's build a homestead. Kay and I had been looking for a property for a long time to start our own family farm. We finally had found a place, settled on a spot where we were going to build an off-grid homestead from scratch. And after announcing to our YouTube audience, you hear on the podcast, everybody who follows us that we were beginning this project, we dove right in. Our very first project was a big pond dig. We need a lot of water for all our livestock, so we put in a big pond. We put in some swales to catch rainwater. Projects were ticking along nicely; things were being completed. We figured it was time to choose a target date to finish the project, and we did. This is our official new goal: celebrate wedding anniversary in
2: in our house, our like new house.
1: Countdown begins. Put it on the clock. Beep. We were going to celebrate our fifteenth wedding anniversary, which is in November in our new home on Sunny Mountain. Winter came, work slowed, and then time ticked away, and here we are, it's actually June. (laughs) What has been done to the property? Nothing. I actually just went to the property recently and filmed a quick update because it had been so long and we wanted to let everybody know why the project hasn't moved forward at all. I'm actually here today to do some work on the property. I'm going to be doing some seeding and some hang. We're trying to establish some pasture area, uh, get some clover, rye, and even some buckwheat growing here to help prevent some erosion and help the seed kickstart. So I'm going to be doing a lot of that work today. Meanwhile, catching you all up to speed on what's going on here. After we finished up the big pond dig at Sunny Mountain, the project kind of slowed down and then stopped completely. And The real reason it slowed was because I was starting to have this strange health issue. I was going through this health issue where I would get sick and then I was getting really dizzy afterward and I was thinking it was labyrinthitis. You get a virus and after the virus, you wind up getting dizzy. This is a thing, labyrinthitis. Over the winter, the dizziness didn't really stop. It came and went, but it kept coming back and each time it would get worse and worse and there were some times that I was just on the couch flat out. And so I started to worry that like maybe there's something really actually worse wrong with me and I better get it checked out. So I did. I went to a doctor. And this uh, actually started back in like the middle of winter. If you've ever gone through any medical Complicated stuff. You know, you go see your normal doctor, and then you tell your normal doctor, "I feel really weird," and so they send you to do a bunch of other checks. And then your insurance company's like, "Well, well, you can't get those tests done until you go see these doctors." So then you don't get those tests done. And then you go see other doctors, and then those doctors say, "Boy, I'm gonna have to send you to get these tests done." And
2: then your insurance company goes, "Oh, okay, you can have those tests done now that the other doctor said so." And then you don't have those tests done. And before all this is said and done,
1: it's been like four months. It's ridiculous. I had to go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor, a neurologist, I had to get a dizzy test done, which that was awful. The worst test I've had to do probably since the CMTs. Where's all my Connecticut people at, CMTs? You know what I'm talking about? And I had to have an MRI done, which I was super nervous about because I get a little claustrophobic and I didn't know how that was gonna play out. I'll tell you about that in a second. Ear, nose, and throat doctor gave me a once over and said everything looked normal, but I had to do a dizzy test to be sure, and basically what a dizzy test is, is they make you really, really dizzy, and then they tell you you're fine. If they don't make you dizzy, you failed the test. So their goal in a dizzy test is to make sure that everything is working in your brain and your ears and your crystals. We actually have crystals in our body. I thought it was like a weird hippie thing, but no, we have crystals, apparently, in our ears. You gotta make sure your crystals have aligned. The worst part of the dizzy test is they blow hot air into your ear with like a little hose while you're in total darkness. And it makes you feel like you're spinning in a barrel. And I literally grabbed the table I was on and held tight because it felt like I was rolling. For the rest of that day, it was nauseous, yeah. But I passed, I got dizzy. So that was a good thing, I guess. Then was time for the dun dun dun. MRI. That's the test that I was most worried about because, like, what are they going to find in my brain? Are they going to find something? We have been through this before. We've been through this with Kay. She has talked about this on the channel in the past. When we were newly dating, she actually had seizures and didn't know why. It just started happening after she met me, actually. hmm. We took her to get a MRI done, and they found something was wrong with her brain, and so she had brain surgery. And back then, we were young, childless, we weren't even married. And it was scary and concerning, but the kind of scary and concerning when you're, you know, 20 years old and dating, and you're pretty starry-eyed optimist, so I wasn't too worried back then, and they fixed the problem, and she's good to go. But I think as you get older, you see a lot more bad things happen and you realize like, oh man. So the imagination goes wild. when you have a lot of little ones. We have six kids. So I got a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, It was very stressful, worrying, and um, pretty much took up all my brain power and a lot of our time getting all these tests done and especially leading up to this MRI. So nothing got done here. We didn't think about this property. We didn't work on this property. We just focused on Keeping our farm going, keeping our stuff going, and getting through these tests and getting the results and getting my MRI results. I did not want to talk about this on the channel until I knew it was going on because I hate, like, I love leaving a good cliffhanger. I like making content that wants people to come back for more, but I don't like doing that with medical stuff because I don't like to worry people about medical stuff. And at this point, I'm already doing that in this video. You're probably like, come on, us, what happened? What's up with your MRI? So no more worrying, no more cliffhangers. Pretty much. The, the way the neurologist put it, uh, nothing to be worried about. So I'm not gonna be concerned. But man, uh, I've never been through this. It's always been Kay that's dealt with the medical stuff in our relationship. She never even saw me in like a hospital gown. And when I walked out to do my MRI, she saw me in the hospital gown and she laughed. She was like, "Oh, look, you look so cute. But later on she told me like, oh, it's kinda sad to see your loved one in a hospital gown because you realize like we're all fragile and something will happen. Someday you'll go get a test done and there will be something wrong, right? Someday I'll go get a test done and they'll find something that is concerning. And it's a good reminder, uh, I know it was a good reminder to Kay and I, uh, just to make sure that we are building the life that we want, where we want, what we want. And so for those of you watching, if you're not homesteading and you've been dreaming about it and maybe you've been watching us for a long time and you've been dreaming about it for a long time, just do it, just start. We say it all the time, just start because You never know what they're gonna find in the next test. There might be something that is concerning. And I don't want this to be a depressing or down video, so I'm gonna turn it around real quick. Just say, use this as your chance to to say this year, get something done. And we, by all means, are going to get something done towards our off-grid little cabin goal. But because of all the time that we've lost and one other thing, which we're gonna talk about, i will get to that in a second, um, the plans have changed here for this year on Sunny Mountain. During the time that I was having all these tests done and going to the doctors and getting all this checked out, I I knew I didn't have the brain power to do anything here at Sunny Mountain. I didn't even, not even like little stuff like what I'm doing today, planting and seeding and all. One thing I knew I could do was research and learn, and so I continued to do interviews over the fall and winter I did interviews on building off-grid, on building straw bale homes. You know, we build straw bale homes. We build earth ships. We
0: form the structure of the building and it just floats on the earth. You know, you
1: geodesic domes. Today, we're going to tour this incredible geodesic dome living off-grid. I did interviews on solar.
0: Panels will replenish the battery bank as you're pulling from it. So
1: we've released some of those. I'll have links below to the ones we've released. Like for example, we released the interview about the earth ship and building off-grid. In each and every one of those interviews, the off-grid experts gave me a warning, and I ignored it in the beginning. One person said it, ah, you know, whatever. I heard it again, the next person said it, hmm. When every expert you talk to warns you about this mistake that you're making, you realize, I better listen or this is gonna turn out really bad here at Sunny Mountain. We're finally on this side of all my medical stuff, medical testing, I'm feeling better, I'm ready to get back to our project, but I can't ignore the warning that they gave me anymore. What was this warning that we kept hearing from off-grid experts, and why is it bringing us to Alaska? We're going to tell you all that after a quick word from our sponsors. Since we announced on our channel that we were building an off-grid home, I got to work trying to design our home, where we were going to live, what it was going to be made out of, how it was going to work, you know, solar, passive design making sure it had good air flow and air change and that the windows were oriented in the right direction and what we were going to build the walls out of. Were we going to use IFCs or were we going to use straw bales or were we going to build an Adobe home? I was trying to design the perfect off-grid home and months and months were going by. And every time I came to a question, I would do an interview with some expert, experts on straw bales, experts on earthships, somebody who built a geodesic dome, all these different people trying to answer the different questions I kept facing while trying to design the perfect off-grid home for my family. And every single expert I talked to warned me that I was about to make a mistake, that apparently a lot of people going off-grid make this mistake. In fact, a lot of the people I interviewed said they themselves made this very mistake. The funny thing is, We had made this mistake in our life already when we started homesteading. Kay and I told this story while we were out doing farm chores. It's been a while. A long time ago. (laughs) This is probably 11 years ago. Uh, I designed my very first homestead garden with zero gardening experience and you can probably guess what it turned out to look like
2: didn't it end up being the pig pen instead
1: yes it did turn out to be the pig pen
2: because it was so big we couldn't keep up with it we had weeds everywhere and nothing grew
1: eventually we just let the pigs you know what you did next what
2: it was one of our first videos raised beds i
1: like the idea of having a garden One of the coolest things about doing content as your business is that you have the library of your history, right? We have this video from years and years ago where we show our very first raised beds and how well they're performing. And we talk about how much better they were than that huge garden that we failed at when we first started homesteading. Some years we've done really big gardens that have done nothing but fail. The first big key that helped us in actually having a successful garden, was building a few raised beds. Later on in the video, I showed the success we were having in our raised beds in the form of tomatoes. Look at those beautiful tomatoes, those tomatoes, and all of those. Kay talked about why I specifically designed the raised beds the way I did.
2: You know what, you wanted to be able to garden like a gentleman. You wanted to be able to stand there, weed, and um, drink a beer.
1: Actually no, I wanted to be able to sit Sit in a chair chair after a long day of work. And that was a garden that I designed with at least some gardening experience. And of course, That garden did way better. That garden, our raised beds, we actually got more produce out of our raised beds than any other garden we've ever had. So there's a little bit of a pattern that you can spot. You see, when we designed our garden with zero experience, it just became pig food. But when we designed our garden with experience, well, look at those beautiful tomatoes.
2: So we reevaluated our life. We've been on a family farm for five years managing. We we know now we wanted something smaller, something off-grid. And we thought we could do this because we've been homesteading for 13 years now, right? We know how to design a homestead.
1: When we started designing our off-grid homestead, we did realize there were a few tiny holes in our homesteading experience that we needed some help with. So we went to some experts and we did interviews with them based off, you know, where we needed some help.
2: Right, so for example, we've never designed and built our own home. We've bought them or were in my family's home.
1: Yeah, so we talked to somebody about building a home specifically off-grid.
2: We really want to be very energy conscious so we wanted a more passive house. So
1: we interviewed somebody who built an earth ship because that's a completely passive house.
2: Never used rainwater for our own drinking system.
1: So we interviewed somebody who has experience with rainwater catchment. We interviewed somebody with a composting toilet.
2: So we've got a lot of hours of interviews about all this stuff.
1: (laughs) Maybe you're noticing what we noticed. We have a ton of experience in the world of homesteading, and that's why we were ready to design this. But we're pretty new to the world of off-grid. It's like a whole new thing. It's, it's funny because approaching this project, we looked at our 12, 13 years of experience as a benefit. Look at all this experience that we can pull from to help us design this homestead. And in some ways, yes, that is good experience to have. But in other ways, with this huge switch from on-grid to off-grid, our experience is almost like, it's like Michael Jordan. <laughs> Michael Jordan Michael Jordan was an amazing basketball player, right? arguably the best basketball player of all time right being this incredible athlete he decides i'm gonna go play baseball do we remember that michael jordan's baseball career
2: and why not
1: it was better than my baseball career (laughs) he did good but all that experience he had in basketball did not directly translate to a very successful amazing baseball career, right? It just translated to
2: Now, did the skills career. he learned in basketball, like being you know, super all those muscular, being very athletic, awesome like, at layups, like knowing how to train really hard and not giving up when things get tough, I'm sure that those carried over. Those were
1: good, right, the basic athleticism. But, like, you can't dunk on the baseball field.
2: Yeah, so. We're
1: not that into sports, but it was a really good illustration. Uh, we don't want this to end up like our very first garden and that was the warning we kept getting. Honestly, the first time I ever heard this message from a off gridder with experience, I was talking to the guys over at Gridlessness and they explained their off grid journey.
0: We both love camping and, and hiking. We're totally used to staying in a tent for a week or two. And We thought, well, why don't we just start camping? We'll figure out which priorities kind of bubble to the surface, right?
1: What they said was they just every moment assessed what do we need next. They didn't design this huge fancy off-grid home and water system. They just set up a camp, lived off-grid, and said, what do we want next? It's funny because this is the same advice that I heard talking to
0: Annie and, Jay. Annie
1: and Jay from Blue Rock Station. They built an earth ship. They said that they tell everyone.
0: When we're given advice, we give advice <laughs> freely. Usually we don't follow our own advice. <laughs> but we, because um, the first project we built was the earth ship. Yeah, you but know? we
1: didn't know that was what we but should we have done. But we always say, Birds you know, bird?
0: Bird, bird, uh, build a birdhouse first, then maybe a bookcase. And then yeah. build your house because you might hate it. You might yeah. get into it and just absolutely hate it. But also, you can
2: it. fail like crazy in a birdhouse and nobody's dying.
1: Don't start with your home, although that's what they did. Yeah. That's what they say from experience they've learned. Don't start with the home, build a chicken coop. Logan from Heirloom Builders, he built an off grid home. He said the very first thing he did, he built himself a bathhouse.
0: That was kind of the prototype to really get me out onto the land in a way that was kind of dipping my foot in the water. I'd never lived off the grid before and it's a scary endeavor. And if you've never done it before, there's way more questions than there are answers. I wanted to kind of start small, build a prototype and that bathhouse was the prototype. That was what really allowed me to figure out some basic systems on collecting water, to figure out how to charge batteries with solar and how to use them to pump water um, for showering and um, to experiment with gravity-fed biological sand filtration, which is what we use for all of our domestic water.
1: He learned so much on that one little bathhouse that to this day he still uses on his off-grid homestead.
2: I want a bathhouse.
1: I want a bathhouse you too. You
2: take baths in it? Bath-
1: well, actually, it's a shower house, but he called it a bathhouse. When you boil it all down? The warning that everybody kept giving us was essentially make sure before you go design your entire off-grid home and start building this, you know, big house and big solar system. And and you pour
2: all the money you have into it and then you're stuck, you've got nothing left and you're unhappy because you (laughs) messed something up.
1: Get some experience. Live in a tent with a bat house. Bat bat house. house. I don't know about that. Rabies. Rabies creeps me out. I can't tell you how many times I tried to design our off-grid laundry, rainwater, and the questions of like, how much water do we need off-grid? How much will we go through with a composting toilet? How many volts and amps do we need in our solar system? What is a volt? Or an amp? Public school failed me there. We don't know, that's the point. That's the point, right? We don't know, so, not yet. Here's what we're gonna do to change that.
2: It doesn't mean we're not going to do it. No. This is still something we're... Oh, what? What are you laughing at me for?
1: <laughs> that would be funny for you, were like, so we're not doing it because we have no experience. See no. ya.
2: No, it doesn't mean we're not going to do our off-grid homestead. <laughs> we still are moving ahead with it. We're just slowing down uh, and kind of dipping our toes in the water off-gridding.
1: We're headed to the land of the off-gridders.
2: You're really
1: excited. I am really excited. Do you want to know where we're going? Find out in the next. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We've held this off long enough. Unsubscribed. Things are getting pretty windy up in the field, which makes for some pretty poor audio quality. And now that we know based off so many of your reviews that you're putting on iTunes, which we really, really appreciate that you out there are enjoying these kind of podcasts where we convert YouTube videos to podcasts so that you in the podcast world get more podcasts from us. Uh, We are starting to shoot, film, produce our YouTube videos with you, podcast listeners, in mind. So please, by all means, if you're enjoying these more frequent podcasts where we take the time to convert videos we've produced to audio format, Uh, It does involve more production. Like right now, I'm actually in my office talking into a microphone. Any time where the video gets confusing for someone listening to audio only, I go back, I re-record it. If the audio quality is bad, we re-record it in the studio. Or we do like we just did in this video. We go to the barn where it's a little bit quieter. Anyway, if you're enjoying these, please take a moment, let us know. Give us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast listener you use. A five-star review tells us you love what we're doing. If you specifically mention these new style of episodes where we're adding in sound bits live from the field through our YouTube videos, we'll know to keep producing these. You'll get more podcast episodes than we'd be able to produce normally, so it's a win-win for you, and if we get more reviews, it helps other people find our show, so it's a win for us. So it's a win-win-win all around. Thank you so much. Now, we headed into the barn to explain our big Alaska adventure. Let's head to the barn and talk about that. All right,
2: I need a five minute break in the shade.
1: Officially getting hot. We are headed to Alaska.
2: It sounds crazy. (laughs) This was not something we had planned last year. But Asin talked to a yurt company that was based in Alaska, and it kind of got the wheels turning when they talked about how many people in Alaska actually do the off-grid yurt thing. And because that was something we've been considering, We thought maybe that was a place where we could go to get more hands-on experience, even talking to people who are already living this life.
1: We wound up finding an ag lease for a property that had a small off-grid cabin.
2: We got in contact with the owner who had this ag lease. We reached out to him.
1: We pitched the idea that we could come and do some rotational grazing with livestock
2: and he accepted our offer, our proposal on what we wanted to do with the property. It was really cool because it had nothing to do with home study, so we didn't have an advantage because we have a YouTube channel. It had nothing to do with family, <laughs> we don't know him. It had nothing to do with money because it's a very affordable way for us to spend the summer in Alaska learning how to live off-grid.
1: If you are thinking about going off-grid, setting up your own off-grid homestead. We've told you, you should get some experience. And you're like, well, nice for you guys. You get to do this off-grid cabin thing. We actually found three. Yeah. In just a month, we found three different ag lease, home sitting.
2: really a lot of options out there.
1: I actually traveled to Alaska with our oldest son and my dad to look at these three potential properties for our off-grid summer challenge. I have to show you and then you can spin in a circle you can't not see a beautiful mountain i didn't record much for the channel when we went out to alaska it was a super yeah, fast go too. go go trip where we were yeah, just trying very to very learn successful. as much as we could in a 10-day period but i did take a couple iphone videos while we were out we were hiking through the woods we were snowmobiling I saw moose we went dog sledding <laughs> took 10 days snuck off to Alaska which was super awesome looked at these three different properties we we had
2: to kind of see them to figure out where could we actually do something agriculture on where would be the best place and we've
1: settled on one this summer we're going to be headed to this off-grid cabin on 500 500 acres acres.
2: this is not something that we will own Uh, The owner is definitely not selling.
1: It's an ag lease.
2: But it's a really good way for us to dip our toes because it's off-grid. There's a small solar system we can learn about. There's not much water, so we will have to figure out water and everything without having to...
1: Build the wrong thing.
2: Yeah, without having to build the wrong thing. We
1: want to get experience so that we can design with experience. Yeah. Look at those beautiful tomatoes.
2: And it gives us the opportunity. Austin called it the land of off-gridders because in Alaska there's a ton of people who are doing this. They're very far removed from any local utilities. It's much
1: more normal in Alaska. Yeah. It's and everywhere. And
2: that's something I want to experience living in. It's like a dry cabin. What is this like? How do the kids like it? How do we all handle it? It's a nice way to do it and uh, be in Alaska and uh, interview other people who are already living this life.
1: If you are in Alaska and you would like us to come and interview you about your homestead, your off-grid cabin, your off-grid life, email me, austithishomesteady.com. So now a lot of you, I know, probably have some questions running through your brain. If we're leaving our homestead and our animals, what's gonna happen to our homestead and our animals? We've said this many times, we live on a family farm, so we have family helping out. They're gonna keep eyes on the homestead and take care of the animals while we're away. Sunny Mountain, what's gonna happen with Sunny Mountain? sunny mountain will still be there and when we come back in the fall we can continue work on our project at sunny mountain now most importantly for you listening what's going to happen home while we're in this off-grid cabin in alaska what can you expect on the youtube channel and more importantly you as a podcast listener what are you going to get well to quote one of my favorite movies hold on to your butts we're headed to Alaska for the 100-day off-grid challenge. Kay and I and our kids are gonna be staying in this off-grid cabin. The goal is to last 100 days in this off-grid cabin, and we're gonna be documenting this entire journey from day one getting there to this off-grid cabin, which we've never seen in person. We've seen pictures at this point, but we've never seen it in person. It's small, it's in a remote area of Alaska, no electric grid, no city utilities, we're gonna be living off the land, and most importantly, off-grid, learning what that's like. We're going on this venture to help our family figure out what we want in our future off-grid home, what we might not want, what we like, what we don't like about off-grid living, and of course, we're gonna share everything we learn along the way with you. To get the most from our Alaska adventure, you should subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search study in YouTube, There's gonna be more videos than there are podcasts because just the way we document things, it's easier with the camera. There's gonna be more videos, but don't worry, we're not gonna forget the podcast listeners out here. We will cover the 100-day off-grid challenge here on the podcast also. I can't promise any content ahead of time because I have no idea what we're gonna be able to produce, unlimited solar electricity. That's what we're going to be doing, running solar electricity to run the computer, to power our internet devices. So I don't know if we'll be able to do an episode a week or an episode a month, or maybe just release them all when we come home, but you will get to follow along in this adventure. So if we do disappear for a couple weeks or a month, don't worry, nothing bad has happened. Go back and listen to some old episodes in the catalog. There's a ton there, or even better, consider becoming a homesteady pioneer. Homesteading Pioneers have a library of information that you can't find anywhere else. If you want to homestead, if you want to be a hardcore homesteader, there is more in depth information on every topic in the Pioneer Library. We have it categorized by livestock. You can do deep dives into cows, into goats, into sheep, into chickens. We just put a brand new masterclass this year all about your first family milk cow. The masterclass K put together is fantastic. You can see the whole thing in the Pioneer Library. You can download like 50 exclusive podcast episodes with one click and get them onto your phone and listen to them while you drive. We cannot produce homesteady without Homesteady Pioneers. It's the number one way financially that we're able to do homesteady. So if you love homesteady, if you've loved the podcast, if you'd like to help support the podcast and its production and the YouTube videos, Become a Pioneer. I'll have a link in the description of this podcast. That'll open up you to the entire Pioneer Library, tons more content to dive into, and before you know it, the first episode of the 100-Day Off-Grid Challenge will be available for you to listen to here on iTunes, and no doubt there'll be some extended in-depth stuff in the Pioneer Library for you to check out as a pioneer. We're so excited for this adventure to begin, so stay tuned, and as always, remember, the road is rocky. I'm sure the drive to Alaska will be, make home steady.